Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 10 of the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Man, 10 of these things. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to have some viewer slash listener comments and questions. We'll have a quick news update. We'll have not one, but two Galaxy CDs Rocks business updates. We'll have the last week and we'll also talk about the month of August, which is now behind us. We're in Labor Day weekend as I record this, so happy Labor Day to all of you. I hope you're enjoying it, staying safe, but having some fun and making some sales. <laughs> uh, but first, I want to talk about um, some milestones that we hit here at the Galaxy this week. Normally, uh, in a lot of cases, milestones don't come in bunches you get one here and you get one there and uh this week for whatever reason the planets were aligned and the stars were aligned and whatever else can line up lined up and i had a whole bunch of milestones that caused me to kind of reflect back on my business and to kind of take a look at whether or not it's been a success and we're going to talk a little bit in this episode about what success looks like and the overarching point of the whole thing will be that you cannot let anyone else define what success is for you. So what success might be for me may be way beyond the scope of the wildest dreams of some folks and may seem like a complete waste of time to others. So success is really like beauty, I guess, in the eye of the beholder. Uh, success is whatever you define it to be. And it's really easy, I think, to get caught up. You're listening to podcasts and you're watching other YouTube videos and you see people who at least are fronting <laughs> that they're having this massive success. You know, they roll up in their intro in a Lamborghini or a BMW or whatever. Or they talk about these massive, massive you know, amounts of business that they're doing. And you can feel a little inferior if you're not, you know, comfortable in your own definition of what success looks like for you. So that's kind of what uh, I was thinking about as I started to tick off these milestones this week. And I wanted to take a little bit of time to reflect on that here with all of you and whoever, you know, would happen to stumble on this podcast or the, or, or the YouTube video that goes along with it. And just, you know, kind of reaffirm for all of us that, you know, your success can be different than my success than someone else's. Um, there is no one definition for it, and only you can decide kind of what success is for you. And I'm going to kind of lay out these milestones and, you know, take a look at whether or not I think I have been successful. And I, I get asked um, occasionally, I in these business recaps that I do, I share my numbers and I get asked why I do that. And I I do that to give you some sense of what, what success can look like for one person. And it doesn't have to be, you know, there's this perception. There's some folks out there that, you know, kind of feel like if you're only doing, you know, $3,000, $5,000, $8,000 a month, that you're not successful for whatever reason in this game and that you don't have anything to add or share or whatever. And I, I find that really disingenuous. It's, you know, my definition of success, which we'll get into as I go through these, is, you know, very different than someone whose vision of success is 
grossing $100,000 a month. We're not on the same planet. We're not after the same things. And neither one of those is right or wrong. They're just different. But it can be really easy to get caught up in the trap of the monetary measurement of success. So I share my numbers with you because they are maybe a little modest compared to some of the, you know, humongous resellers who share things on YouTube. But hopefully, at least I convey a spirit of feeling like these numbers are are pretty, pretty damn good. And they represent a successful venture for me. And the reason for that is because I have defined my own vision of success. So, With that, I want to spend a little time. I just want to dive into these milestones. I say dive into it. I've been talking for like five minutes already. But uh, the first one was this. This week was actually the one-year anniversary of me giving notice at my last full-time employer and making the commitment to move into reselling full-time. And that was really a cause for some reflection for me to look back and say, you know, what's what does this last year look like? Was it was it a success? And there were a lot of things that went into my decision to move into full-time. The The big two really were, first, would I enjoy doing this full-time as opposed to how much I enjoyed it just doing it part-time for fun? And the second was, of course, the finances of it. Can I, can I make a living how would I define success or abject failure (laughs) as the case would be? And how would I know when I got there? So in the first one, I was pretty confident that this is something that I was going to enjoy. So part one of this was not a real difficult decision to make. The second part, I did some really pretty thorough investigation um, and some pretty hardcore looking at my finances. And I looked at my savings and my investments and it kind of made, I, I set it up in three tiers of success. I didn't even really plan specifically for the potential of failure, <laughs> which is probably a mistake in and of itself. But my my initial thought process were there is going to be three tiers of success and one of them may ultimately lead to this not working out. It could still be, you know, marginally a success, but not not enough for me to continue to do it full time. So the first one was that I don't make any more money doing this full time than I was making when I was doing it part time. So I'm going to take my 10 or 15 hour commitment to this and I'm going to turn it into replace it with the 40, 50, 60 hour commitment that I had on my quote unquote real traditional job and have no improvement in my performance. And if that was the case, what did that look like financially? And what it looked like when I ran the numbers was if I dipped into my savings and my investments, I could probably go somewhere between 12 and 18 months before I was essentially out of money. (laughs) Um, And that was kind of where I thought worst case scenario. If I don't do any better, which seemed to me to be 
potentially a totally unrealistic negative expectation. But I did want to at least plan for the eventuality and see what that looked like. And the numbers told me I could go a year or maybe 18 months. Would I take that gamble? And the answer was yes, I would. The second tier of success was that I did make an improvement in my sales and it was gradual and it was steady, but I still had to go and draw on my savings or my investments to make ends meet for the foreseeable future. And depending on what that looked like, how long could that go? And I could probably have made it a couple of years, maybe a little more, if I had a modest increase in my sales, which was a fairly realistic expectation. You know, they, they, they say when you're thinking about going full-time, you can't take the amount of money that you make when you're doing it part-time and just multiply it by the increased hours and get a number. It just doesn't work that way. It's not that linear. And that is true. So that's kind of what I planned for. I'm going to have an increase, but it's going to be modest and I'm still going to have to tap into my savings or and or my investments. And I could probably get away with that for a couple of years and then I would maybe have to make a decision about is the business progressing in the right direction or not? And do I want to continue to go down this path or do I want to go back into the traditional workforce for the last, whatever, eight, 10 years of my working life. The third tier of success was best case scenario. I jump in and I start making money relatively quickly and I don't have to dip into that savings or investment money very often at all. And I'm able to consistently month in and month out make enough money to not only pay my bills, but to live the kind of life that I want to live. And I, it, to be fair, it's a pretty modest lifestyle. I'm not traveling the world or doing anything fancy. So my, my expenses are fairly minimal. <laughs> uh, I've got my house payment, my car payment and the, you know, utilities, insurance and that kind of stuff. And that's really about it. So my income needs, I'm a, you know, single 50, about to be 55 year old guy, empty nester, no family here. I'm supporting myself. So my needs were fairly modest. So that, that third tier was not real high, but that to me would be kind of the optimum success. So I did some serious thinking about, you know, where I thought those tiers would come out and would my experience as a former small business owner, as a retail manager and all that, would I be able to move the needle enough to make this work, to go from the 10 or 15 hours a week to full-time and make the living? So here I am, <clears throat> not quite a year on. It's the one-year anniversary of my commitment to this. It'll be the one-month anniversary of actually doing it um, on October 1st but close enough. And the answer to that A was, yes, I still love doing this. I still enjoy the sourcing and, you know, maybe the grind of six hours a day working on 8,000 CDs <laughs> is not the most fun. Uh, but I can come down here with my coffee in the morning and I can fire up a podcast and I can work and I can do it at my own pace. And I don't have anybody standing over my shoulder other than my own desire to be successful. So from that standpoint, it was definitely a win. From the financial standpoint, it has frankly exceeded my wildest expectations. Now, I'm not getting rich by any stretch, and if you've been following along, you know what the numbers look like. But I have at no point from the very first month through now had to tap into my 
savings or my investments. In fact, as I sit here today recording this, I actually have more money in those accounts now than when I started this venture not quite a year ago. So from that viewpoint, those were my measurements of success. A, am I still going to enjoy it? And B, can I make enough money to not wipe myself out? (laughs) Uh, And I have beaten both of those targets in spades. So while when I do these recaps and I talk about the numbers I'm making, there may be some who would look at that and say, you know, that's not, those are not the numbers of a successful reseller. And my point to you is only I get to define what my success looks like and only you should define what your success looks like. And by the targets and the goals that I set for myself for success, this has been a smashing success. So that's kind of the, the first of the many milestones and probably the most important one you know, in terms of you know having some kind of message for today's podcast. Again, the, the idea of holding only yourself accountable for your success and not, not worrying about what any, anybody else thinks is successful. They apply kind of to these other milestones as well, but not to the extent <laughs> that they do for that one. Uh, the next set of milestones were on YouTube. I went round and round and round. I spent months deciding whether or not I actually wanted to do YouTube. And I finally did. And the the idea of achieving a certain number of videos or achieving a certain number of subscribers seemed like a really, really daunting task. But as this week passed, I realized that I had just uploaded and published my 50th, five zero fifty videos, which when I started this, if you'd have told me I'd, I'd have 50 videos published that people had actually watched, I, I would have I would have considered that <laughs> to be a success. So I've, I've got that. And with a little help from my friends on Facebook, I crossed the 300 subscriber threshold this week, which again, when I was struggling along very early in the game with my OG 28 subscribers, I was stuck at 28 for what seemed like ever, uh, telling me that I would be by the end of summer over 300. Um, I would have, I would have taken that and called that a success. And here I am with that number still a long way to go. Um, My goal with the YouTube and with the podcast is it would be nice to be able to monetize them, um, to make a little bit of a, you know, side income, a second revenue stream to supplement my eBay store. But the the real goal for these is just to share my experiences and maybe a little bit of knowledge and quote unquote wisdom <laughs> with all of you um, so that you can at least Think about how you want to think about your reselling business. Um, I've said it before, and I'll probably say it a million times in the future as I record another 50 videos and podcasts. I'm not here to tell you how I think things should be done. I want to give you maybe new ways to think about how you evaluate your business and the things that you do. So that's, that's why I started this channel. And would I like it to make a little bit of money? Yeah, because I would like to be able to do more of this. And I, I really can't do a whole lot more because it takes me away from my eBay, which is where right now I'm making almost all of my income. That being said, I and 
again, there's nothing wrong. I'm not trying to, you know, disparage anybody who does that. My content will always be free. Now it may be ad supported. It may be sponsored, but I'm not going to do, I'm not going to go down the Patreon route at any point. I'm not going to start like a mastermind program or sell, you know, sell programs or, you know, learning modules or any of that kind of stuff. My content is always going to be freely available to anyone who wants to watch it. You can be the judge of whether it's worth even that price or not. Um, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to put anything behind a paywall at any point or do anything like that. They will make money organically through people who choose to support the channel. Like my man, Timmy P thank you so much for your support as always uh, for people who opt to purchase merchandise from either my Teespring merch store or from my eBay store or through actual ads or sponsored content. I'm not going to go down the route of any kind of paywall to try to make money off this. That's just not, it's not what I'm here for. It's not what I'm about. So, but that's kind of the, the milestones on YouTube this week. I feel really, really good about the growth of the channel. It's, it's, probably outstripped my expectations, even though I, you know, was lamenting being frustrated with the, the, you know, the 28 subscribers. Um, I'm really excited about the growth of the community around the channel and the feedback and the comments and the participation. So I chalk this up as a win again for a guy, you know, there are people who have 20,000 subscribers that still consider themselves small channels and maybe not all that successful. And I'm sitting here with 300 and I think, man, this is this is rocking. <laughs> so, uh, again, you can define your own success and not compare yourself necessarily to others. Lastly, on the eBay front, I hit three milestones this week. Uh, the first one, my feedback score for the first time crossed the 2,500 mark, which again, in the scheme of things probably doesn't sound that big, but I'm, I'm an OG almost eBay guy. I've been on eBay since 2000. So 20 years. But I went maybe eight or nine years where I really wasn't on the platform all that much. And when I started this reselling gig a little over a year ago as a part-timer, my feedback score was something like 700. Fast forward a year this week, my feedback score crossed 2,500. So I was really excited to see that. It doesn't it doesn't make me any more money. It's just one of those feel-good stats you look at it and you see a nice round 2,500. <laughs> it's a cool number. So I was really excited about that. I crossed the 5,000 active listing barrier, which was huge for me. As I've talked about it, going back as far as I've been doing these videos, my I'm the king of the smalls. I'm all about, you know, small, easy to ship, easy to pack lower dollar items. And the only way to make money with that is to drive as much volume as I can drive. And the way to do that is to have as many listings as possible. So crossing that 5,000 barrier was huge for me. I'm still not quite where I think I need to be. I mentioned either a week or two weeks ago that I think somewhere between six and 8,000 is probably the threshold that I need to get to, to make the kind of income I would like to make. And I'm obviously now well on my way and I won't stop there. I mean, I'll continue to grow my inventory as long as it is physically able to be grown. The last milestone was that those listings crossed over the $75,000 mark at eBay retail value. So if you go in and look at my listings, they're worth, if everything sold for its asking price, 
over $75,000 as of this week, which is also very exciting because again, to make the kind of income I make, I think my inventory needs to be probably hovering around a hundred grand. So making great progress there, 75,000 was a great mark. Probably the, the real beauty of that. And this doesn't even count the inventory I still have in my garage. So with the 75,000 plus all of that, I've got, like I talked about earlier, there's probably still 65 or 7,500 CDs and 2000 books out there. And the 5,000 plus listings my total cash outlay for that is $3,048. So I have a incredible profit opportunity as I move forward with this business. So very excited. I consider all of those things to be success for me. Let me know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or reach out to me um, either on the message boards at galaxycdsrocks.com or go to my anchor dot fm slash galaxy cds rocks page and leave me a voice message let me know how you define success and have you gotten caught up in that trap of comparing yourself to others and feeling like your business is not as successful as it actually is because of that comparison i'd be really anxious to hear from you so please feel free to chime in uh, in one of those two ways and let me know what you think with that we're going to take a quick break and Get a message in from my sponsor. Here's another question that I get from time to time on the YouTube video of these. When I take this break, there's no ad. I talk about this ad and there's no ad. Somebody asked me about that the other day. So my only ad, my only sponsor right now, other than Timmy P, who's an individual contributor, is Anchor, who hosts my podcast. And they only pay to have their ad run on the podcast. If I put the ad in the YouTube video, I'm basically giving them free advertising. And while I'm here for you for free, I'm not here for them for free. (laughs) Uh, So if they would like to appear in these YouTube videos, uh, they need to uh, arrange somehow to send me some money and I will gladly uh, record an ad and insert it into the video. But for now, I don't have any official sponsors for YouTube. I only have Anchor for the podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast, you're about to hear the Anchor ad. Uh, and if you're on YouTube, you're about to clip right over to the next segment of the video, which will be viewer questions and comments. We'll be right back. All right. It's time for some, some viewer comments and or questions. It's probably more comments really this week than questions. There were a lot of comments Uh, Probably the most I've ever had on the last podcast and the video I did on Wednesday about the resellers spontaneously combusting because of the Macari fee announcement. Um, Brandon Arnett commented that uh, sellers could just increase their prices by the 3% and 30 cents. And that was one of the options that I actually had suggested in that video. And that is true if you're not in a hyper-competitive market where making that markup might make you uncompetitive on price. So in some cases, if there's not a lot of competition and, or if everybody else chooses to do the same thing, you could get away with that. But if you're in a market where there are a bunch of sellers, you know, it's a $30 item, everybody's at $30 and you decide, you know what, I'm going to mark mine up by this fee. 
suddenly without warning, you're asking, you know, whatever that ends up being, $32, $33 for your item. You may never sell it. So which which do you do? What do you decide to do? Do you take a little bit less margin and sell the thing? Or do you try to hold out for that extra 3% and maybe not sell it? So that's the dilemma that you're in if you decide to pursue that sort of strategy. And again, I'm not saying whether that strategy is right or wrong. It's That's just the kind of thing that you would need to think about before you made your decision. Uh, what else do we have here? A lot of, a lot of comments about the, you know, the pitchforks and that, uh, Timmy P my contributor, not to cause a ruckus, but I swear that the general eBay sellers in online groups tend to gripe about the smallest thing. It seems with every change that happens, people say, quote, I'm done. And this is the last straw Yet they're here still to complain in three months and the next change happens. And that is absolutely true. <laughs> I did a video, uh, very early on in, in my YouTube channel about the, the YouTube fee thing. And man, people were just so fired up about that and they were, you know, going to stop selling. And here we are, you know, they spent the last, whatever, a couple of months complaining about eBay managed payments. And now they've moved on to the Mercari thing and they're, they're all still here, <laughs> still here selling. Um, so we had that, um, Sawyer reviews and comic books, uh, being online reseller is one of the most flexible, low risk type of business you can do. I don't get why people so get, get so bent out of shape over small changes. It could always be a lot rougher for us. And that is, that's kind of what I said in the video. It's absolutely true. And nobody likes to pay more than they have to. But when you look at the total picture, this is one sweet gig we've got here. If, if, if you're focused and you're doing the right things and you're doing a good job, you can still make money even if your fees change a little bit. Now, obviously, you know, if every time you turn around, they're raising the fee 3%, 5%, you know, there comes a point where it's no longer manageable. Again, my opinion only, we're nowhere near that kind of point with Mercari adding payment processing fees or eBay switching everybody over to manage payments and a slight cash flow disruption because it takes a couple extra days to get your money versus PayPal. Those kind of things are, should not be deal breakers for our businesses. They can be frustrating. And I know I get the whole, you know, let's complain by the water cooler kind of thing. Uh, but they don't, they don't have to be devastating to your business. Um, I was asked by JRKR1964. Hello. We had a long conversation on YouTube she asked, uh, how many CDs I'm selling in a given week? So I went back. I wasn't even sure, to be honest. I highlight kind of the big ones in my Wednesday reselling recap, but I didn't, I hadn't actually looked at that number for a while. On average, right now, I'm selling about 35 CDs a week, which is, I'm probably listing maybe 100 to 125 a week. So I'm selling maybe maybe a quarter, maybe a little more than a quarter of what I list each week by volume, not necessarily selling 35 of those 130, but overall I'm selling about 35 a week, which is 
sounds like a lot. I would like it to be a lot more with as many as I have, but uh, for now, that's that's pretty good. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, we also discussed the resurfacing machines. Uh, she is using, which one is it? The Eco Pro 2, which looks like a fantastic device, um, but it should make me breakfast in bed as well <laughs> for the price of the thing. I looked it up. It's like 1500 bucks. Um, I talked about, you know, the JFJ Easy Pro a couple of weeks ago in a video. Um, I would have to be purchasing a lot of bad media for a $1,500 device at this point to recoup its investment for me. If at some point I get through this huge lot of CDs that I'm already dealing with, most of which don't need any work, um, and I'm in a position where I have to source less desirable quality inventory, it's still something that's on my radar, um, but that's that's a big number. So uh, she is very, very happy with hers. I think she made the case that it's probably paid for itself, so she's done very, very well with it. So if you're thinking about those devices, you know, there's another case of someone who's uh, swears by it. Um, she also commented that the problem with Mercari is they don't get the amount of traffic that places like eBay do, and you generally don't get as much money as you do on eBay. And that is absolutely for me the case. And it's why I currently, as I mentioned in that video, only have one listing on Mercari. I looked at the investment that I was making in time to create a duplicate listing on Mercari for an item I was listing on eBay. And I was looking at the amount of traffic, the amount of sales, and the amount of kind of ridiculous lowball offers I was having to deal with on Mercari. And my most valuable asset to me is my time. And for an equivalent amount of time, I can list a second item on eBay that has a higher likelihood of selling successfully and selling for a higher price than I was able to get for the same item on Mercari. So even though at that time the fees were less on Mercari, net net, it just didn't, it was not for me in the evaluation of my business and the use of my time, it was not a good investment of time for me to do a duplicate listing on Mercari. So I essentially have all but abandoned the platform at this point. Um, but for that reason, not not because of this extra fee thing. It just didn't make sense to me. If you're using uh, one of the listing tools, like List Perfectly, or I think the other one might be Vindu, let me know. Um, chime in in comments. What do you think of those programs? Are, are they helpful? Are they effective? Are they worth the investment that you have to make in them? I see a lot of differences of opinion on those where folks feel like it takes almost as long to create the one listing in that tool as it would to create two separate listings. And if that's the case, it's not, I don't know that it's probably worth messing with. So let me know if you're using one of those programs, let me know your thoughts on it. Is it cost effective? Um, is it, does it work? Does it do what it's, what it's supposed to do? I'd be really, really curious to hear how people do with that. Last week's podcast, I talked about the free shipping. Um, P Diddy T tube. I think I got that right, says my wife absolutely hates free shipping. So I don't really ever use it unless I have an item that is $50 plus and is media of some type. Other larger, heavier items, I always have shipping. Uh, basically, if it goes priority, 
heavier items, it's very easy to lose money with free shipping, especially if it's going to California from Pennsylvania, which is kind of what I said, you know, in the video uh, uh, or in the podcast rather last week. If you're shipping something clear across the country, um, it's really can be really, really expensive. And it's probably the single biggest mistake that new sellers make is not understanding shipping costs and how it can drastically affect your margins in a negative way if you get it wrong. News updates. With that, let's talk about some news. eBay made an announcement this week um, on August 31st that they were protecting seller performance during carrier delays and that that program has been extended now through September. My expectation is that this probably will get extended month after month after month for the foreseeable future with everything that's going on between the pandemic and the post office itself. I think these delays are going to continue. Um, I mentioned, I don't know if it was last week, that I had a couple of items that had showed up on my seller performance report as late scans. And I was disappointed with that. Literally the next day, they dropped off the report. The day after that, (laughs) uh, they showed up as late scans. So I had no problems. I had two items that essentially went missing. They didn't get scanned. The one item went clear to California. So it was here in Hamilton. It did not get scanned. When I dropped it at the post office, it's got, it got its acceptance scan on the multi-item sheet. And it literally got all the way to the customer's local post office before it received another scan. So it went six, seven days without a scan. So it was on my report as no scan. Then it dropped, which I was happy about. And then it showed back up as a late scan. Sad face. I was upset again because <laughs> they said these things weren't going to affect us. And then a couple of days later, it dropped off there as well. Um, and it's noted on there as uh, item removed. So they're taking a little while to get to these, but they are doing a good job. So I, I gave them some grief last week. I'll give them credit where credit is due. Uh, they're doing a good job of updating those as time goes. You just have to be a little patient, but they are seemingly protecting us if you give them the time to do so. Speaking of eBay and shipping, they are expanding their UPS integration. Um, After publicly expressing frustration with the United States Postal Service, eBay has announced the expansion of its partnership with additional shipping options for the company's buyers and sellers. The key addition is the use of UPS as a preferred shipping method, or as eBay calls it, an integrated service. Uh, UPS will be added to eBay labels, which will be available both on the desktop and on the mobile. This new integration will add additional features for selling and shipping, including discounts of between 48 and 62%. That's a big number that will be available automatically. It will also add 85,000 drop-off locations for eBay customers, including stores like Michael's and CVS. So this is a huge boost for sellers who are selling items that are a little bigger and a little heavier that really require priority shipping or ground shipping. 
I'm not sure how it's going to impact someone like myself who's selling a lot of under one pound media. I, I still don't think UPS, even with these new additions, is probably going to be competitive on, you know, a four ounce CD that I can ship clear across the country for 280. Uh, but it's definitely something that I will be looking into going forward. So uh, be aware of that as you're creating new listings. UPS is now a, a potentially a much more viable and competitive option on price for those bigger and heavier items. And lastly, I'm surprised they have time, given everything that's going on, to do this. But uh, the United States Postal Service Partnership for Growth Award was presented to Poshmark. Um, This took place at a dinner on August 27th during the NPF Virtual 2020 Summer Series. Uh, Poshmark received recognition as the 2020 Partnership for Growth Award winner. Um, They are obviously the um, social commerce platform for the next generation of retailers and shoppers. Um, That's how they build themselves, apparently. I don't sell on Poshmark. Uh, As I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, I don't really like selling clothing. (laughs) Uh, And that's mostly what Poshmark is. So, But uh, kudos to them for the award. I don't think there was any, I don't think there's anything there really but recognition for that. I don't think there's any money or anything unfortunately for them. But uh, I did find it interesting. Uh, This article was um, published by Cision PR Newswire, and they took great pains to point out that the post office receives no tax dollars for operating expenses and relies on the sale of postage, products, and services to fund its operations. I'm not sure what that had to do with them giving an award to Poshmark, uh, but there you go. So let's talk about the Galaxy CDs Rocks business. Uh, Let's look at August first. August was an interesting month. Um, It started off really well. The first three weeks of the month were stellar. The last week of the month, as you recall from last week's weekly recap, was not that good. And it really, it held me back a little bit for the month in total. Um, August was not as good as July which I didn't expect it to be between back to school and everything else that's going on at the end of summer. Um, I kind of figured it would be down and it was, but it was still, it ended up being a fairly respectable month. Sales were 51, 53 and 82 cents. Cost of goods sold was only $200 and 68 cents, leaving me with a gross profit margin of 96.11%. I will take it. Uh, the total gross profit, the dollar amount was forty nine fifty three and fourteen cents. So fairly solid. Um, the The gross profit percentage was actually quite a bit higher in July, or rather, I'm sorry, in August than it was in July. Uh, in July, it was only ninety two point seven. So a big increase. The biggest part of that is the flow now of those three and a half cent CDs working their way through the system. As I continue to list and sell those, those are obviously selling at just ridiculous profit margins. You know, you sell a CD for 20 or $25 and you own it for less than four cents. That's an astronomical margin. And it has boosted the gross margin percentage substantially operating expenses for the month of August totaled $2,324 and four cents. So the net profit at the end of the month, 
51.01%. My goal, as always, is 50% or more. So that was a win. That was a Ryan-defined success. <laughs> We're going to keep that theme. Uh, total net profit for the month, 26 29 and $0.10. So again, not getting rich by any stretch, but that more than pays my bills and leaves me more than enough money to continue to reinvest in the business. So uh, that's a win. For the month on the listing front, uh, I failed to mention last week, shame on me, how many listings I did. Uh, Last week, I did 250 for the month of August just missed a thousand. I did 988 listings. Had I known I was that close, I would have done 12 more just to say I made a thousand listings for the month. But uh, there you go. 988 listings in the month of July or August. Man, I keep saying July. I don't, I don't want summer to be over. Um, I'm one of those guys. I prefer the heat to the cold. I don't mind fall, but I cannot stand winter. So I'm mentally I'm trying to forestall <laughs> the oncoming cold weather. Uh, for the week just ended yesterday, so August 30th through September 5th, sales had rebounded a little bit compared to the week before, uh, $12.12.85. So back into that $1,200 plus range, which was pretty good. Cost of goods sold only $32.92. That's Every time I look at a number like that, I just think, that is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, the gross profit percentage, 97.29%. Again, it's a function of those CDs working their way into the sales flow um, at that super low cost. So the gross profit dollar amount, $1,179.93. My operating expenses for the week, very, very low, only $207.06, which was really solid. That left me a net profit percentage of 80.21%. Uh, I will take that all day long. Uh, net profit dollars, nine seventy two eighty seven. So kind of back in that 900 plus range on the net profit scale, which is exciting. Uh, that's That's a really good number for me. Again, there may be resellers who look at that number and say, that's not, that's not enough. That's not success. Again, you define your success. And for me, that number is a win. Sourcing for the week. I went out on Friday. I really went out. Um, I mentioned last week that I was going to an estate sale that I had been told there were going to be a lot of books at There were not nearly as many as I anticipated, and they were not really of the quality that I was willing to pay up for at all. So I ultimately at that sale, I bought a grand total of one book. (laughs) Uh, I paid $2 for one book that looks like it'll sell for 20 bucks. That's all I got out of there. I I told Gwen, I said, you know what? When the sale's over, if you're stuck with these books, give me a call, but I can't. I probably wouldn't pay you a bunch for them. Everything I looked at was a five or six dollar book, so it's not a really, really good score. I would take them to help her out because she has helped me out, but there there's not a lot of money to be made there, unfortunately. I spent the rest of the day. I hit a couple of garage sales. I ultimately sourced four other items that I think will sell for something like one hundred and fifty dollars. So it wasn't a total bust, uh, but it was not really a good 
a good day of sourcing. And that was really all I did for the week was just that one day. Um, I had to do a dealer trade drive on Saturday. So I was out of town all day. So that was kind of the sourcing for the week. Listings for last week, I managed to get 211 done. And you may say, why 211? I had 210 and I was going to stop. And I placed an order for some boxes because I want to start doing some wholesale lots on the CDs. And late last night, I prepared a box just to see if I could get the amount of CDs in the box that I want to. And I can. So be on the lookout for those. If you are in the market for some CDs, I will be doing lots of 30 used CDs. I will make every effort to keep them in the same category. The one that I just listed uh, and is live now is pretty much all jazz and new age CDs, 30 CDs for $19.99 free shipping. So if you're in the market for um, kind of bulk buys of CDs, 30 at a time for a pretty reasonable price, they'll be up there for $19.99 free shipping. Uh, They will ship media rate, obviously, but 30 CDs for that price is not bad. If you're looking for some filler inventory, most of them will be, there'll be a mix of some new and some used in a lot of these lots. Um, values ranging anywhere from four to probably 10 bucks. Um, as I've talked about, as I've worked through that lot, anything that looks like it's probably going to sell for less than $10, I'm probably going to just wholesale out of here because I just have so many. I don't have really the time to mess with those, but you may have time to invest in working with some of those. So if you are interested in those, watch my eBay store, Galaxy CDs Rocks. Um, Those will start going up. I've got enough boxes to do, I think, 25 lots. So over the next week or so, those will be going up. And with that, I'm going to call it a day. Um, As always, thank you for stopping by. You've been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast, and we will see you next week.